Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Primal Pioneer. Today I'm going to talk about a topic that is highly misunderstood. Let's be real, many topics are highly misunderstood. Um, And this one is about cannabis and psychedelics, microdosing. Um, And I know it's somewhat of a popular, almost trendy uh, thing going on right now. Um, Plant medicine, microdosing, cannabis, CBD, everything. Um, And so we hear all of the so-called wonderful benefits of these things. However, uh, we need to also look at the other side of the coin if we really want to understand and make sense of, hey, is this substance, is this plant medicine really um, helping me? Is it helping me heal? Is it a supportive thing? Is it health supportive? And I know not everyone participates in these substances for health reasons. However, more people are today. Um, They're looking for spiritual insight, spiritual guidance. Um, They're looking for healing. They're looking for, um, you know, calming their nervous system. They're looking for um, help in healing, spiritual help in healing a um, mental, emotional, physical disease. And so many people are turning to these substances to seek some form of healing. And um, I, however, have a lot of concerns around the use of these substances. Um, and I know that we're told or the story we're told is that many ancient cultures used these substances to gain spiritual insight and honestly i have um done a lot of reading on this um mostly in the form of uh reading about certain tribes and and archaeological you know an individual following a tribe or a uh group uh set of of certain people uh, tribe, culture, and their practices and um, their their life practices, their lifestyle practices, their dietary practices, their use of drugs or alcohol and these practices. And what I have found um, by reading those, um, that type of information is really interesting. Um, I found various different ways that people practice quote-unquote plant medicine. Um, Usually what I have read thus far, it was a a practice done more so by 
male figures in the um in the tribe uh of course there were there were some there were some exceptions but this is in general a general statement uh most of them were male and you'll see as i get into this episode why that might be um why that may have occurred because the individuals i see having some of the the biggest health related side effects are women and so uh, i'll get into that a little bit but just to start with i i what i've read in general um mostly was practiced as a medicine practiced by men um it was either used very sparingly like once a lifetime for um some sort of healing or spiritual insight um and in the groups that it was practiced on a more regular basis um there seem to be um more of these addict addictive tendencies more more um aggressive violence towards their own people within their own tribe not not just fighting you know war when they were um attacked by outside an outside tribe but a lot of fighting within their own um their own people and um so that's that's been some of my insights there that i've that i've read um through the archaeological studies and and readings and and these are like books it's not just one study but books following people over the course of several years and how their lifestyle how they lived all you know all forms and aspects of their lifestyle um so that's one thing that has stood out to me and i'm mentioning that because today a lot of people use these medicines and seek out these medicines not just one time but this has become um a weekly thing sometimes a daily thing sometimes a monthly thing for people to engage in microdosing, psychedelics, ayahuasca, and um, it's become a very regular practice. Um, and so I, one of my issues and concerns with psychedelics is the regular practice of it and what that does to the body. So in addition to what I've read in the uh, archaeological works, I've also uh, had many individuals over the last decade come into my practice who have been engaged in plant medicine. And as a result, whether they um, attributed this as a direct result or not, you know, for example, some people would come in, I've had the experience where people would come in after they've done ayahuasca, gone to Peru, done ayahuasca, come back and um, have extreme panic attacks and panic disorders that um, were really, really debilitating. Um, so I've had that experience and then I've had other individuals come in with health issues and one of the um, a question that I ask every single person who comes into my practice is when did this issue start for you and routinely people who come in who have been you know using cannabis for years or ayahuasca or microdosing they will say it started after I did this ayahuasca ceremony or 
I will quite honestly ask, did this start before you began microdosing or after? And typically there is um, a correlation to their symptoms getting worse after they've used these substances. So what I'm sharing here today is um, is mostly um, from my own experience of working with people who have engaged in these practices over the past decade. Um, and as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, from the, the archaeological works as well. So my concerns health-wise with these practices, some of the things that I've seen and that are big red flags to me are the disruption that these sub- substances have on the circadian biology. And we're going to get into to these and what happens and why I'm concerned about it. But just to list a few here, because maybe you're someone who's used ayahuasca, maybe you're some, or maybe you know somebody who um, is involved in some kind of plant medicine cult um, or some kind of um, ayahuasca cult practice. And um, there's some real things to, to look for that might help you make sense of what's going on. So when it comes to the health concerns, one, a disruption in the circadian biology. Uh, it's also, too highly addictive. Most people who start these practices, they get into the practice and um, they seem to, uh, they can't get out of it. And they, and they stay in it because of the mindset that's cultivated in these groups that you're doing this there's this hierarchy, this status, this um, you're moving up the evolutionary, the spiritual ladder. Um, you know your your um, your awakening, your woke. You know all of the words and language that that go along with this. Um, but really, what happens is there's this addiction that happens to the substance, to the high, to the experience. And also this connection of, uh, or this delusion and belief that it's it's helping them to um, spiritually upgrade. <laughs> um, and other side effects, chronic fatigue. That's a huge one. I see a lot of chronic fatigue in individuals who've, who've used these substances um, repeatedly. There's also, there tends to be a lack of motivation, this like apathy, this lack of motivation, this this laziness in a way for things that um, they're passionate about. Sometimes it's challenging for these, these, these individuals to really know what they're passionate about. They get lost in um, the medicine and, and the way the medicine impacts their mental state, which I'll talk about. A big, huge, 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 huge side effect, probably the number one side effect I see, especially in women from the use of these substances, uh, is thyroid issues. And so I suspect that something, maybe the alkaloids in the substances, because a lot of these plant medicines do contain these substances, um, is blocking the, the thyroid, is taking over the thyroid receptor, and as a result thyroid starts to shut down then here comes the whole cascade where they feel sluggish they feel tired 
they they feel groggy in the morning when they wake up and their liver becomes very sluggish as well. And so I suspect that the ancient cultures and people who did practice plant medicine had an awareness of this connection and is likely why it was mostly practiced by men in these um in ancient tribes and uh you know maybe i i don't know i haven't read this but i maybe they had an experience with women using plant medicine and and having issues becoming fertile or or issues in labor or just health issues in general and um Whatever the cause is, um, that's one thing that I have really found, especially in women who use this medicine repeatedly as the thyroid gets very, very affected in not great ways. And lastly, I'm going to mention the, the another big one. And this can happen really gradually. So the person themselves... You know, when we're engaged in something that's healing or we consider to be healing, whether it's plant medicine, whether it's taking supplemental vitamin D or vitamin C, which the last two episodes I talked about, the dangers around those practices and and the real health concerns, whatever it may be, when we take something or participate in something that we, our mind, in our mind, we, we have... Um, associated with health and healing, then that's often a block to seeing the other side of the coin and questioning, is this practice really healing or is it damaging my health in some way? Because most people, they do things that are considered healing and then that completely shuts down their psyche from being able to consider, hey, maybe this is having a negative impact on my health. And I've seen this a lot with the the plant medicine communities, is that this thing's supposed to be very healing. Um, It's supposed to help them climb the spiritual ladder. And so there's no way this can be um, a dangerous or a health damaging practice. All the ancient people do it. Uh, they're considered, you know, shaman people who practice this. And so we put them up on a pedestal and we think they know more. And we do the same thing with doctors, right? We do the same thing with people who we consider in a higher position. And then we kind of go along with it without questioning. So um, let's talk about how we can actually understand and tell if a substance that we're putting into our body is is actually healing and um especially uh, a plant medicine substance here that that's supposed to be healing because if you want to know if something's healing it's benefiting you you're you're truly healing and when i say when i bring this word healing up i'm mostly referring to the root cause of whatever somebody is struggling with. And um, one of my students in my health coaching um, class the other day said, what do you mean by root cause? And this is a, a really a really good question because it's a word that gets thrown around a lot today. It's like, oh, the root cause this, or this is the root cause, or, or you know, this this mineral being deficient in your diet is a root cause, but what does root cause really mean? And so um, 
in modern day, present day, what I've found root cause to mean is um, anything that blocks the, the body from being able to fully heal and reach its healing potential. And there, modern day, there's not just one root cause of a health issue, of a disease. It's usually very numerous, numerous different um, issues that are contributing to the root cause. And we all always, always have to look at suppressive therapies. Those are always part of the root cause. Even, what do I mean by suppressive therapies? I know I've talked about this in previous episodes, but things like antibiotics, corticosteroids, vaccinations, prescription medications, regular use of over-the-counter drugs or medications, these things contribute to root causes of our health issues because they suppress the immune system. So to understand if a substance is healing us in deep ways, meaning it's helping to chip away at some of these root causes of our health issues, what we need to see is an initial aggravation of the symptoms after you take the substance followed by an amelioration on the physical, mental, emotional level, whatever health issue you're dealing with, there needs to be an initial aggravation after you take the substance. And then there has to be, um, depending on how deep the condition is, either several hours for an acute condition, there has to be an amelioration, or 30 to 60 days after taking the substance, there's a real amelioration uh, for more chronic issues on any level, physical, mental, emotional. That has to be the basis. After you take the substance, you have a slight aggravation. And why would you have that? Like, why the aggravation? The aggravation is the immune system bumping up a level in order to fight back, to fight the disease, to fight the pathogen, to fight the inflammation. Because all of the suppressive therapies you've taken up until you take the healing substance to help cure it, right, have suppressed the immune system. And so you're dealing with this ongoing thing or this acute thing and you can't quite get over the hump with it and you can't get over the hump with it because your immune system isn't strong enough to get you over the hump. And it's not strong enough because of genetic predisposition and because of the use of suppressive therapies to treat our um, health concerns today. You have a sore throat, you take an antibiotic. You have an otitis, an ear infection, you take an antibiotic. You have an itch on your skin and a little eczema, you put on corticosteroid cream. All suppressive therapies. So the more and more you, you take these therapies, the less fight your immune system has to actually fight off disease, pathogens, virus, bacteria, etc., So after you take a substance, there needs to be this initial aggravation of your current symptoms that you're struggling with, followed by a marked amelioration. That's how you know you're making progress with your healing and not just an amelioration for a couple days or a few hours or a few weeks, but we're talking lasting amelioration. 
So when it comes to things like ayahuasca, microdosing, um, even cannabis use, um, we see, we often see an initial aggravation. Um, and I'm going to be cautious with that word because it's not truly an aggravation unless, let's say, you go into your ayahuasca ceremony and um, your health concerns are infertility and menstrual issues and really big dark colored clots that come out during your menses and breast tenderness and um, you crave sweets all the time you're always super cold and chilly you know and so um, your feet sweat and you go in and you go into the ayahuasca ceremony looking for healing the aggravation happens. What What's some of the classics of this after taking this medicine? Vomiting is a really classic one. So the vomiting happens, but this isn't an aggravation of the symptoms you're looking to heal. This is something different. This is a response to the, to the plant you just consumed. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit here. So after you do something like microdosing, ayahuasca, other plant medicine, you have a, typically there's a very physical and emotional response, right? And these can range from very varying degrees. You can have nausea, you can have vomiting, you can have diarrhea. Individuals, some people go into panic attack and paranoia. Um, some people get very loquacious, right? They, they talk and they talk and they talk and then they're usually talking about spiritual things and how to help people spiritually evolve and how they can spiritually evolve. They get into this very loquacious state. And there's this, this um, after um, the plant medicine is given and everyone usually is done as a community, which is also a draw to plant medicine. It's like, oh my gosh, community in person, right? But there's also this... Um, spiritual theorizing that goes on within the group um, after everyone's taken the medicine and they're, you know, blitzed out of their mind off of it. And so there's this discussion or this talking happening among people. Um, there can be hallucinations. There can be this painlessness, right? This inability to really feel pain. Um, there can be this, these ecstatic states of laughing and then weeping and kind of going back and forth, right? Those are just a few, a few of the, the, um, immediate effects that can happen after taking some of these medicines. And so we need to understand that these responses to these medicines are a direct result of a to the toxins in these plants. You have taken so much of this substance, and in some of these instances, it doesn't take a whole lot of the substance to get a toxic dose, but these are literally some of the toxic effects of these medicines and so you've you've literally put you've you've taught you've put a lot of these substances in your body to a toxic effect that now you have symptoms 
and now you have you're vomiting you have diarrhea and and everyone's like oh it's cleansing this is such a cleansing thing no you're being poisoned you're literally have just taken a toxic dose of this substance and your body's trying to get rid of it and we've somehow in our mind connected or or made this correlation that this is spiritual evolution this is a detox this is me um, my body really let go of something yeah it did it let go of all the toxins in the plant medicine that you just took and we've really confused or we're we're a little bit confused and we're using this word inaccurately microdosing because if you take a substance and um it creates this this toxicity and, and, and no matter what the the dosage is if you have a toxic response that your body needs to get rid of the the substance that isn't we, we cannot consider that a micro dose that's a toxic dose of the substance it's your body's having a very real reaction to this and so when it comes to what really is a micro dose we have to distinguish here the difference between if something's causing a toxic effect in your body or if something's really healing you in a micro dose and there's no um uh um more accurate medicine to really give the micro dose um, context and name to uh, other than homeopathic medicine which quite literally takes poisonous substances if you take these things in um, a large amount they're going to create responses in the body like people who take ayahuasca or microdose and then they have very um, these reactions to it right they vomit they throw up they have diarrhea they pass out they're paranoid so in homeopathic medicine what happens is you take a substance you take a metal you take a piece of an animal tissue you take a piece of a plant substance and then it dilutes it to such a degree sometimes up to one fifty thousandth of a degree so much so that none of the original substance of the matter is left in the final product the remedy the preparation of the the medicine so much so that none of it is left remaining and truly this is in my experience and just when I think about this in a logical way, more so um, a micro dose. So um, what's left in a homeopathic remedy is, is quite literally the, the energetics or the, the quantum molecules from the, the original substance is what's left in the, um, the remedy once it's prepared. And so when administered correctly this can bring a healing effect on the mental physical emotional body meaning an individual takes a substance a remedy a homeopathic remedy that's been diluted let's say um up to a hundred times you know diluted one one hundredth of the substance is remaining meaning none of the original substance truly is there 
and they take it and they have an initial aggravation followed by a huge amelioration of their symptoms. This is what we call like cures like. And Hippocrates was really one of the first people to go with, uh, come up with, support this theory of like cures like. And I'm bringing this in because we get a little lost in the microdosing. We think we're only taking a small dose of this substance when really we're taking, even though it's like, you know, a, a small little pill you might put into your mouth or two of those, it's causing you toxic effects and that's no longer a microdose. See, um, let's go into this a little bit more with regard to likes cure, like cures like because the... Western world, Western medicine, even naturopathic world, the functional medicine world, they treat by the law of opposites, whereas homeopathy uses and treats via the law of similars. And last episode, when I talked about vitamin C, I started to bring in this um, uh, piece about homeopathy and how it differs from Western medicine and how the remedies are prepared and, and how they're, they can bring about this healing response in the body. And so I really want to continue to have this conversation because it's something that most people don't understand. I didn't understand it until I started to, to study homeopathic medicine. But really, I'm bringing this in because we often go with, and we've been trained in our mind, whether we're a naturopathic or an alternative healer or whether we're a Western healer, we have been um, we have been trained to think with regard to health and going about our health via the law of opposites. What do I mean by that? So law of opposites, you would, for example, somebody's constipated, you'd give a laxative, right? Or um, if somebody comes in with a bacterial infection, you'd give an antibacterial, an antibiotic. Um, if somebody comes in and they've burnt their hand, they they um, got burned in a fire or on their stove and there's, you know, it just happened, law of opposites would say, quick, put it in cold ice, right? That is, those are some examples of the law of opposites. That's how we've been trained to think. The law of similars, however, is very it's actually the exact this is the exact opposite. So, for example, a person comes in with some symptoms and let's bring in some of the symptoms that can occur. Um for example, if somebody uses uh cannabis, abuses cannabis. So, what are some of those symptoms? Somebody comes in, they have fear of insanity, they have burning urination, they have theorizing loquacity, and I, I'm sure you've heard of these, or maybe even interacted with these kind of people. I live currently in Sedona, Arizona. There's a lot of spiritual theorizing <laughs> going on here. So, um, meaning somebody will just talk and talk and talk about... Um, their theories around spirituality and how, you know, if you you take this medicine, this plant medicine, and then you um you are able to upgrade your life and you're you're able to 
unwind these unconscious thoughts and bring them into the conscious world and then poof you uh you up level your life it's like things that don't actually make linear sense they're theories they're not really rooted in anything but there's certain people who can really talk and talk and talk about these things and go on and on And so somebody comes in, let's say, and they have some of these qualities. They come in, they have fear of insanity, they have burning urination sometimes, they're theorizing loquacity, they have paranoia, they lack motivation. Um, To treat this condition, because this is a pathology state, to treat this condition, to actually cure them, you would give them a substance that produces these same symptoms in a toxic dose. So, of course, you wouldn't give the person a toxic dose of this. And and when it comes to homeopathy, what we do something called provings, and this is what I was talking about in the, in the last episode all about vitamin C. So, provings are like homeopathic studies. It's like how we understand how a remedy is able to cure and act, what are its principles, what are its characteristics, how does it act. So we undergo provings, which is basically what the ayahuasca, the microdosing, what the cannabis communities are doing now. They're actually all provers of these remedies because if we give these remedies, like let's say ayahuasca, and you put it into a homeopathic form, like truly make it a microdose, It's going to treat things like nausea and vomiting and diarrhea and paranoia and spiritual theorizing. It's going to actually treat these things, right? So approving is you give a healthy individual, somebody who has no symptoms, you give them a small dose of um, uh, a toxic substance, like say cannabis indicus, right? And, and then, uh, which is just cannabis, it's homeopathic cannabis. And so you give them a small dose, oh, maybe they don't have a reaction. So you give them a little bigger dose, still no reaction. You give them a little bigger dose, okay, here come the symptoms. And you're giving them in a dose that is toxic enough that their body now starts to have symptoms, right? So somebody comes into your practice with those same symptoms, but they're not a prover. They weren't in the experiment. They're sick. They come in. You give them a homeopathic remedy that causes these exact symptoms when given in a toxic dose. This is like cures like. This is what Hippocrates was um in favor of what he supported when it comes to medicine. This is what Samuel Hahnemann, when he, um, basically the founder, the father of homeopathy, this is the basis of homeopathy, like cures like. And why am I mentioning this? Why am I going into detail about this? Because our use of psychedelics repeatedly is consumed in toxic doses and causes very real, very significant, in many cases, long, long-term long side effects, especially in women, without an amelioration of symptoms, but actually they start to develop symptoms that are worse and worse and worse. This is not a curative substance. This is a toxic effect, a toxic side effect that people think that when they take this substance because they are 
having some sort of intense reaction. They're vomiting. They have diarrhea everywhere. They have um, nausea, right? They have hallucinations. They think that they're detoxing, that they're um, climbing the spiritual ladder, right? This is actually a toxic side effect and the body is trying to get rid of the substance. So it will be really challenging to have this conversation with somebody who's in the throes of one of those practices. Let's say they're in an ayahuasca community or a some kind of plant medicine community. This, you cannot have this conversation with these individuals because their mental emotional state is very much connected to and their health and their healing and their evolution is very much attached to their practice of that medicine. This is why people in these um, communities and ones who are very deep into these communities, they are some of the most incurable populations that I have come across because their mindset cannot shift. Their mindset around this, it's, it's almost um, a mental, emotional, delusional state. And that's very, very hard to treat. Um, so... I'm bringing this up and I and I want to mention something else here because if you're somebody who practices this medicine and you happen to be listening to this podcast or maybe you know of someone or maybe you're considering this by all means explore whatever you want to in your life. It's your life. You have freedom of choice. Do it. Whatever you are called to. And I want to also say Pay attention to how your body really reacts. After you're using these substances, do you feel better on all levels, mental, emotional, physical? Because a lot of the people who come into my practice who have um, used these substances, whether they went for a week in Peru and used these substances or they've been doing it for years, I've had people had very intense side effects that take years to correct. Most notably, hormone and metabolic issues, weight gain issues, inability to lose weight. And I really sense this is because of how the alkaloids in the plants affect the thyroid. There's likely some other things going on as well, but that's one of my speculations. Um, Its effect on the liver, causing sluggish liver, um and the thyroid shot the hormones are shot and then an interesting one i have seen um more and more so the connective tissue start to break down um as well as a result of this practice um so these are very real things to look for. If after, you know, several months of, of microdosing and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I so tired? Like, oh, I just can't seem to, to get out of this fatigue. And so we, we, these, these individuals in these practices cannot mentally connect the dots that there's something up with the microdosing. There's something up with the ayahuasca. There's something up with the CBD gummies, they can't connect this, these dots here because it's supposed to be a healing practice. 
Um, so if they come into your practice or if you, you see, you know, if somebody's been using this medicine comes to, it may or may not be helpful to have a conversation with them, but at least for your awareness, um, this is very, uh, it's, I recommend doing your research before diving into a practice like this, but mostly to paying attention to how you feel and also observe other people who have used this plant medicine. How are they doing in their life? I will say honestly, the majority of people that I know who have been using or and who's come into my practice who's been using plant medicine for years, they lack purpose they lack motivation they tend to make very chaotic decisions in their life they're ungrounded and um they don't fully know how to spend their time or or what they're passionate about and so they keep going back to this medicine because it gives them a sense of purpose and belonging in the community and at the same time is causing very real side effects in their metabolic health, in their hormone health, in their mental emotional health. Ooh, that, that's a really, really big one. Um, mentally, emotionally, more anxiety, can be more panic attacks. Um, and it can go the other way and be more depressed. And so they go back to the substance. So they're, oh, let me get some healing. I need more healing. And they go back to the substance. So uh, this is the side that's not talked about. This isn't talked about. And I, I, I hope that it's talked about more and more. And um, there's not very, very good research on this either. Um, but I've had hundreds of case studies over the past decade that I've just kept track of on myself um, of people coming in with these side effects and these experiences. So um, it's a very real issue. The last thing I want to end with today is the use of CBD, like things like gummies, even things like edibles, but also CBD salves. Um, you know, many people look to these things like every corner now you can see a little CBD shop right? I have many issues with, with CBD. Um, number one, most of it's plant, most of it's grown, um, hydroponically, meaning they use LED lights to grow it, which is really bad idea. Um, (laughs) it's really going to cause more inflammation in the body. It's going to be harder on the liver. It's not actually grown in real sunlight. Um, these, this is, this is a real issue, not just for cannabis, but anything grown hydroponically, which is becoming a thing these days. So people can grow year round. It's a real issue using artificial light to grow plants. Very, very, very big issue. Big red flag. Um, so what, why I'm not a fan of CBD thing, salve, gummies, edibles, um, you name it is because number one, it doesn't address the root cause. So like for somebody who's taking, eating CBD gummies to fall asleep, not really getting to the real issue here. And we want to get to the real issue because eventually you're going to need more of the gummies to sleep and then more and then more and then more. 
and then you become dependent on it and then you get to a point where it doesn't it no longer works i've had many clients come into my practice using some form of cbd to help them sleep and they are so groggy in the morning and and tired they don't want to get out of bed and they don't want to see the sunrise because you all know how big I am with the sunrise and the sunlight rx and getting up and watching the sunrise and how that's one of the most important health practices we can do our dependence on cbd especially to sleep totally messes with our circadian biology makes the liver sluggish messes with the clocks in the liver how the body tells time right the gene clocks and um we're not able to do the healthy health supportive practices that actually facilitate healing on a deeper level so this is just the cbd the whole the whole line of cbd is a complete a complete um it's just not a good idea. It's not a good idea for your health and many reasons. You're not getting to the root. It messes with your circadian biology. Um, there becomes this dependency. Um, it ends up messing with your sleep-wake cycles, compromises liver function, and most people who are using CBD in any form have... Um, motivation they struggle with motivation they struggle with being able to complete tasks and with being able to have motivation to complete tasks and motivation to do things in life that support their life support their health support their passions um and when we stop our use of any of the cbd products and we can also add into that any of the psychedelics what happens is um, our health issues start to come to the surface because we're no longer putting a blanket or a band-aid on top of them. They're no longer being suppressed. And this is what's going to give an opportunity for real healing to occur. So um, I'll also mention here that a lot of the plant medicine ceremonies are done at night. And they can be extremely stimulating. And so people are up for sometimes an entire night, sometimes night, night after night after night. This is not a healing practice. We are diurnal animals, meaning we're meant to be up during the day. We're meant to sleep at night. That is how our hormones and our metabolism is hardwired. When we become nocturnal, we set the stage for every single chronic health disease, uh, chronic disease today. We screw up our melatonin, which is, is really one of the main molecules we need to heal, repair, regenerate. And so um, oftentimes these ceremonies are done at night. Um, and people are up for days on end. But not only that, I should also mention that after people start practicing plant medicine they can develop sleep issues because of this really harsh impact that these the alkaloids in these plants have on the circadian biology 
So the sleep can get all wonky, the hormones, the metabolism, um, and the mental emotional state is such a huge one. Um, just more anxiety, more panic attacks. A main side effect of these of using plant medicine is often panic attacks. In and typically, um, whoever is facilitating the the class, the ceremony, so to speak, often has anti-anxiety, anti-anxiety drugs, medications, substances on hand because the toxic dose of the plant they give you is so toxic that it can send the nervous system into a panic state, into an anxiety state. Some people can recover from this, Others, they have a real time recovering from the panic states. They leave, meaning they leave the ceremony and they have they continue to have panic attacks or feel panic states. It's a very very real side effect. If a medicine is going to be truly healing, we need to see the aggravation of the core symptoms, followed by an amelioration of core symptoms. If whatever you're doing or taking isn't getting you to that state, then what is it really doing? Is it really healing? In my experience, that's not what healing healing is. So um, I hope this episode gave you a little bit more insight into this world of of cannabis, of microdosing, of ayahuasca, um, of LSD, all of these things that are very hot topics today that we've correlated with health, with healing, and with climbing the spiritual ladder. And um, the mindset that it creates is very interesting. If you have a conversation with somebody who is really in the throes of this sort of practice, and then have a conversation with somebody who is on the complete opposite spectrum and has no idea about this um, plant medicine community, I sense um, you will find, and what I have found at least, I'll speak from my experience, is that there's no real rootedness or groundedness in the conversation. It is very based on... um, it's not rooted. It's not rooted in any type of of um, reality, logic. Now I'm all about you know living a life that you love and doing things that you love and um, making goals and striving to you know travel places that you love, do the work that you love, um, and and even though you might not be in that place right now where you want to be like really making goals and and following those goals in order to achieve what you really desire. You see, people who get into the plant medicine, how it affects their mental emotional state, they can't make those plans. They can't make logical, rooted, solid plans to get them to where they want to go. And most of them, um, they don't have this 
And this isn't this I'm not making fun of the, this population. This is an observation because people are going to how I view it is people come into my practice and I see where do they need support? Where is the pathology and then I treat that. And so what I'm when I refer to this and I'm talking about this, I'm talking about what, this is a pathological state to um, really lack this grounding, this uh, logic, this rootedness in the in the reality, in the here now state, you know, that's what I'm referring to, is this is creating a pathology, this is a pathological state that develops in, in certain individuals who are really in this, this plant medicine community and practice. And you'll see it, they're not rooted in any type of reality when they talk to you you're like what the hell did they just say like I honestly have no idea what was just said but it sounds like whoa that sounds so spiritual and and amazing but wait what was just said like I have no idea what they were telling me because it doesn't make logical sense but they're so into what they're telling you it sounds like a really good idea like it sounds like hmm that could be interesting and they go on and on about it so you'll notice that and you'll notice that the decision making is really tends to be chaotic and can get to the point where almost like um an alcoholic or a drug addict they'll start making decisions that are not supportive to their life. Um, I recently had someone in the plant medicine realm tell me they started taking money out of their their stocks to go to very expensive plant medicine ceremonies. Do whatever you want with your money and with your life. But if you come into my practice and tell me that, I'm going to take it as a symptom. That's a that's a that's a pathology. That's that's especially if it's done repeatedly and you notice like not just this one time thing. It's like going to be a fun thing. We're going to go to Disneyland and it's going to be fun and this one thing, right? It's like these repeat you're going to start to see repeated repeated red flags. So I hope this episode started to give you a deeper perspective of why I'm not such a big fan of CBD of psychedelics, of the regular use of these substances, of ayahuasca, um, cults, communities. Um, And hopefully it can help, you know, support your life, support if you are a practitioner working with people to keep an eye out for, you know, some of these side effects and symptoms that I've noticed um, over the past decade. And, um... And especially in women, to note these side effects of the hormones, the thyroid, the metabolism, mm, those are those are some of the main ones that I see. So um, the next episode, I'm going to talk all about, I had a really great question come in all about vitamin A and vitamin D, and there's been some talk in the... Uh, paleo diet communities, uh, concerns around vitamin A in the diet, which is complete and utter nonsense. We need pretty decent amounts of vitamin A in our diet. 
in order to be healthy for healthy hormones, healthy endocrine function, um, so many things, so, so many things to help utilize copper in the body, um, which is basically this electrical conductor in the mitochondria that helps us produce energy efficiently. So there's a lot of uses for that. There's a lot of need for that. And so if you're someone who has been wondering about this um, with your own diet, uh, stay tuned. I'm going to dive into that topic very, very soon. Okay, see you then. If you're interested in approaching your health struggles from a root place this 2022, then I invite you to join me for a classical homeopathy consultation. I'm currently accepting new clients and to sign up, you can go to my site, heathershepherd.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com backslash healing. Scroll to the bottom of the page and you can sign up for an initial consultation. Let's get you feeling better this 2022 from a root place. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.